Girl Scouts by Mrs. Theodore H. Price. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betsy Bush, Marquette, Michigan, June 2010. Girl Scouts by Mrs. Theodore H. Price, published in The Outlook, Volume 118, in 1918. The Girl Scout movement, now six years old, has become a vigorous and significant expression of national spirit. In 509 cities and towns of the United States, trim, khaki-clad girls have become familiar figures in every community demonstration. Through their scout activities, through participation in the actual business of life, cut down to the capacity of youth, these girls are being trained for citizenship in a school of service, a school that stresses the rights of the individual less than his responsibilities. Girl Scouts are the American outgrowth of the Girl Guides of England. Though springing from the same source as the Boy Scouts of America, and sharing the same ideals of citizenship and service, the two organizations, on the advice of Sir Robert Baden-Powell, the father of both, were made entirely distinct. When Sir Robert organized the Boy Scouts, he found among those seeking membership no less than 6,000 girls. To organize them, he called on his sister, Miss Agnes Baden-Powell, who formed them into troops after the same general plan as the Boy Scouts, and called them Girl Guides. Interested with Miss Baden-Powell in this work, was Mrs. Juliet Lowe, an American woman long resident in England. When, in 1912, she returned to her native city of Savannah, she was urged both by Miss Baden-Powell and her brother, Sir Robert, to form troops of American girl guides. She formed the troops after the plan suggested, but the matter of a name was taken out of her hands. The girls insisted on being called Girl Scouts, and Girl Scouts they became, and are so incorporated in Washington. Mrs. Lowe is still the active president of the organization, with Mrs. Woodrow Wilson as honorary president. The national headquarters are at 527 Fifth Avenue, New York City. The plan of the organization is simple and elastic, and essentially democratic. Whenever eight girls of about the same age may be gathered together, the Girl Scout plan fits. It is equally appealing to girls in boarding schools and in institutions, in fashionable suburban communities and in crowded city districts. Some of its most interesting troops are in institutions for deaf and blind and for tubercular children, where it has given these unfortunates a new point of contact with normal life. In the application of the principles of scouting to the philosophy of the young girl, it has been recognized that boys like to be boys, while girls do not like to be girls. They are fundamentally little women, and the surest way to win their interest is to open to them the pursuits of women so modified as to ensure to them the rewards of achievement. Every activity of the Girl Scout program connects directly with adult life. The organization accepts the Girl Scout as a responsible member of society, entitled to its rewards. Hard tasks are not sweetened with elaborate ritual, but are accomplished by application and concentration because the results are worthwhile. The individual good turn, so potent in the Boy Scout plan, is not emphasized with the girls. A good turn done by the troop to the community is the unit of service rather than as individual to individual. 
Service in the home is emphasized because the home is the unit of society, and the good homemaker makes the good citizen. For nearly five years after its modest beginnings in Savannah, the Girl Scout movement grew slowly. It succeeded because girls liked it, and because the leaders in recreational work for girls, to whose attention it came, found in it a useful and successful device for holding and focusing the interests of their charges. In 1915, national headquarters were opened in New York. The organization now attracted the attention of educators seeking an instrument for that difficult process of carrying over the lessons of the primary agencies of education, the school and the Sunday school, into the daily life of youth. Dr. James E. Russell, Dean of Teachers College, became an officer of the organization and is active in formulating its educational policies and plans. Fellowships for the training of leaders have been established at Teachers College, Boston University, Johns Hopkins University, and New York University, while courses for leaders are given in colleges in Philadelphia, New York, Boston, and Minneapolis. The entrance of the United States into the war brought the Girl Scouts their great opportunity to translate their Scout vows of loyalty into patriotic service. The entire organization became a unit for war work. Other young girls might work their honest, earnest little fingers off with grown-up organizations, but Girl Scouts worked as Girl Scouts, and their output was accredited to their own organization. They offered themselves to the Red Cross and were assigned definite duties by each local chapter. That these duties were usually the tedious and none too pleasant tasks cheerfully shirked by the grown-ups made no difference to the Girl Scouts. They have picked oakum and swept out workrooms from one end of the United States to the other. In New York, the girls have become sufficiently expert in making surgical dressings to open a Red Cross workroom of their own and to form their own Red Cross auxiliary. Thousands of surgical dressings have been made and shipped. In Philadelphia, where there are more than a hundred troops, the girls organized a bazaar to raise money for a wool fund. The entire proceeds, $800, have been expended for wool for Girl Scout knitting. 350 Philadelphia Girl Scout mufflers are already in France. The Food Administration was quick to recognize the usefulness of the girls. 27 school Girl Scouts of Washington have been trained as home demonstrators and have pledged their Saturdays and holidays to the work of demonstrating canning methods and war cookery in clubs, churches, schools, etc. Mr. Hoover himself approved a special Girl Scout pledge card whereby candy and soda water were cheerfully and solemnly laid on the sacrificial altar. Without previous plans and without hope of reward, Girl Scouts nevertheless were so active in the last Liberty Loan campaign, actually selling close to half a million dollars worth of bonds, to say nothing of distributing tons of literature and running countless errands for countless committees, that their efforts won them the offer of official recognition for the next campaign of this kind. Whenever a girl's size war job has offered itself, the Girl Scouts have taken it on. Their scrapbooks and puzzle cards have gone to hundreds of convalescent homes in France. Their packages have decked soldiers' Christmas trees from Maine to California. Their trench candles, thousands upon thousands of them, have lighted dugouts the length of the Allied lines. The organization of the Girl Scouts, acting under the direction of the Army and Navy Commission on Training Camp Activities, 
has found an urgent field for usefulness in the towns adjacent to the camps. The best service you can do, said the army authorities, is to keep the girls out of the camps. This is the task the Girl Scout leaders have set themselves. The work is now officially organized in the vicinity of Camp Devens, Massachusetts, and is being started near other camps. It puts into the life of the village girl so vigorous and constructive a program of definite service and gives her a code of honor so completely within her comprehension that she has neither time nor desire to loiter around the camps. In this, as in every other activity, Girl Scouts serve America first in terms of everyday living. End of Girl Scouts by Mrs. Theodore H. Price